got a question for you today as we think about our new sermon series, What's Your Story? When is it when you're watching a television show, watching a movie, reading a book, where you decide, hey, this is worth my time to keep going? This story is fun, and it's interesting. I'm going to keep going with that. Or, wow, this story's going nowhere. I think I'm wasting my time. I need to bail out. At what point in, in those stories do you make that decision? I think for me, it's easier to stop in a television show. You sit down, you got 30 minutes, you've got an hour, you know it's coming. If it's not moving pretty quickly for me with a television show, I'm probably going to turn that off. Might give a movie a little bit more time because, you know, they're usually about two hours long, so give it, a, you know, a few more minutes to get into that, especially if I am at the movie theater and I've paid like 60 bucks for my family to be there, plus popcorn and snacks. We're probably going to stick that movie out. Uh, and with books, it's a little more tricky. You might read two or three chapters. Uh, you may or may not be excited. If you're not excited, you think, well, I've heard this is a good book. Everybody's talking about it. I'll give it a couple more chapters. And by the time you get halfway through it, you know, I'm thinking, well, I've invested half my time in the book. I might as well just finish it so I can say that I read the book. You know, books for me are harder. But in your lives, when do you know that a story is really good and worth sticking around? Or when is it time to bail out on that story? Let me ask you another question. If your life was a story, if your life was a novel, if your life was a television show, if your life was a movie, who would want to watch that? And how long would they watch your story? Would they say, wow, this is really interesting. This is exciting. I want to stick with this story. Or what parts in your life would they probably say, mm, I'm not so sure that I can continue with this story. Maybe it's boring. Maybe it's X-rated. Maybe it's, it's something you don't want people to see. At what point would people maybe check out of your story? Would you yourself want to watch or read the story of your life? That's going to be our focus over these next few weeks is thinking about our, our lives as stories that we are writing and are we doing a good job with that? Would people want to watch that story, read about that story? Are we excited about what our story is going through? Or maybe do we need to consider having a new chapter or a new start to that? Because I think some of us, we have exciting things going on. And we can't wait to get to the next sentence. We can't wait to get to the next chapter because things are going really well. For some of us, our stories have kind of slowed down. And they maybe might be a little bit boring or dull. And we might feel like we're on autopilot. I get up, I go to work, I come home, get up, I go to school, I come home. We just, we love for something exciting or interesting to happen in our lives. We just don't know how to do that. And for some of us, our stories right now are not in a good place. It's not a good story. Maybe it's a scary story. Maybe it's a painful story. Maybe it's a horrible story. And we can't wait for the next chapter to come because this chapter is so painful. Or things have been going so wrong for so long, we're scared about what's coming next, and we don't even want to see what's coming down the pipe. In short, brothers and sisters, what's your story? What story are you living in your life right now? Are you happy with that, or would you like to see some changes in your story? My son, Luke, my oldest son and I, he's 13, have been watching a movie uh, it's one that uh, I watched when I was growing up, and it came out. It's called Stand By Me, and it's a movie about these 12-year-old boys, four 12-year-old boys who go on this adventure, and they, it's a, it's a it's, um, coming alive kind of a story, like growing up kind of a story, and, and they're going to find this dead body that's in the woods because they want to get there and find it and be famous when they tell the police where that is, and so it's a coming-of-age story, and it's a fun story to watch, although I had forgotten 
that it was rated R. I'd forgotten that they have a lot of cuss words in this movie. As Luke and I were watching it, my wife, Laura, and they're all here right here, uh, sitting up here in the front. She walks by, what are you watching in there with our son? Sorry, honey. But thank you for letting us finish the movie because there's a lot of substance to it. Just some disclaimers if you're going to watch the movie and you've heard those. But these boys, they talk to each other about the challenges in their lives. Some of their parents are abusive, and some of their parents are favoring one child over the other. When they get to the dead body, they don't see it as a glorious thing and something to celebrate and to call the police. They, by this time, have discovered that the person who's dead is a boy of their own age, and they've determined that death is nothing to celebrate or to sensationalize. And it's a powerful story, coming of age and realizing the power of life and death and friendship. And so in the movie, Luke leans over to me, my 13-year-old son, and says, Dad, have you ever gone on an adventure like that? And I said, well, I've never gone looking for a dead body, if that's what you're asking for, but I have been on a lot of adventures in my life, and so have you. Just this past week, we were on spring break. Our, our boys had a week off, and we went down to the beach, to the Outer Banks, where we usually go every year. And this year, we took a couple of the friends of the boys, and we were out, and we go out to this deserted kind of beach, and it's just usually us out there. And uh, the boys had walked down the beach, and all of a sudden, Luke comes sprinting back. He's sprinting back like a half mile. He's like, Dad, Dad, you got to come see what we found. You got to come see what we found. And what'd you find? We found a car washed up on the beach. I'm like, what? And so I went, and there it is. Check that out. Like, that, is, that, is, that has been there a while. That's the engine, right? There's tires in the front, tires in the back. That is the steering wheel right there that is still attached to the car, and that's the brake pedal. And we tried to break that brake pedal off to get to be a souvenir, but it would not come off. But anyway, right, we started asking the question, how do you think that car got there? Who drove that? We have come to this beach every year for almost like 20 years, and we've never seen it before. Did it just suddenly erode away, and it's been here the whole time, or did it somehow wash up? From the ocean somehow, I don't know, it was very heavy. That had to be a heck of a storm, right? And how did it get there? Was somebody driving on the beach one day a long time ago, and they had to abandon the car? Again, did it fall off a cargo ship? Right? Was this a mafia thing? Did they hide the car? Is there a treasure in there? And we're trying to dig, but the water was just coming and going, so we don't know. Right? So it's a mystery to us. But now my sons and their friends will always have this story. Hey, you remember that time we went to the beach and we found a car that washed up? We still don't know what that story is all about. But it's fun, right? We think about in our lives, when we open our eyes, there's more adventure in our lives than, than we, we, we can know. But that's just the start. I think God has even bigger, brighter, and more exciting things than treasure hunts or adventures or finding a car like that washed up on the beach. And so today, I want to dive into the Bible as we continue to think about what our story is in our lives. And we're going to be in the Gospel of Matthew. It's the first book of the New Testament. The Gospel means the good news of Jesus. And we uh, are learning from Matthew, who was one of the 12 disciples of Jesus. And he's talking about Jesus' life. This is the end of Jesus' life. He's getting ready to be executed. He's going to die on a cross so that you and I can be forgiven of our wrongdoing, so that we can replace guilt and shame with joy and peace. We can live life to the full now and live forever in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is going to make that sacrifice. And in this chapter in Matthew's gospel, at the beginning of the chapter, the, re the religious leaders that hated Jesus are plotting about how to take him down and kill him. The chapter begins, that's how the chapter ends. We're going to be in the middle. We're going to be in person. So 
let's jump into Matthew's gospel and see what's going on. Matthew chapter 26. While Jesus was in Bethany, that's about two miles outside of the city of Jerusalem where he's going to die, in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. And a very generous thing for her to do. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. They're mad. They they could have taken this and, and fed a lot of privileges that I have as a pastor is to be with people after someone in their family dies, to help them walk through the transition of losing a loved one. Right, to, to help them wrestle with the grief, to help listen to questions, to, to plan logistics about a, a funeral, memorial service, that sort of thing. And, and there are lots of different emotions. And this can be a very difficult time because there's grief and there's hurting and there's anger and, and there's resentment. There's all kinds of those, those emotions. There's, there's numbness. Right? There's also hope, the hope that the resurrection, that Jesus was resurrected, that we can be resurrected, that death is not the end. And so there's, there's lots of hope. And some of the best parts that come out of these conversations and this time together with families are the stories. It's the stories that people, when they're sitting around together as a family, begin to tell about their loved one who has gone to be with God. And in these stories, there's, there's a lot of laughing. Yeah, you remember this about him or her, right? That just, that, that, that's such a joyful thing. There, there's, there's things that drove them crazy. These are the things that made them mad. And these are the great things that they did. And, and these are the way that they affected my life. And those stories are so powerful because they capture who the person was. When it comes to be your time to die and, and your family and loved ones are gathered around and they're telling stories about you, what stories will they tell? And to take that a step further, as we think about the woman who was at Bethany, whenever the gospel of Jesus is told, whenever the good news of Christ is shared, how does your name come into that? How, how have you advanced the good news of Jesus in this world? Well, people know you and your story as being a follower and an advocate and a friend of Jesus. Maybe another way to think about that is that when we get into the afterlife, when we get into the glorious kingdom of heaven, what stories are you going to tell up in heaven, right? What, what stories will you, when you're sitting with Jesus, when you're sitting with Peter and Paul and Mary and Joseph, you're, you're sitting with other Christians and Billy Graham and, and your grandma and your grandfather, whatever, what stories are you going to say, hey, let me tell you about what happened on the earth, right? Hopefully there are going to be some, you know, fun stories like we found a car washed up on the beach. And by the way, Jesus, whose car was that, right? But I hope there are other stories in addition to that, right? I think there, there are stories that, that I know of, of, of some of you who have said to me, like, Pastor Kyle, I've been praying for 20 years, right, for my brother to come to faith in Jesus. And guess what? He finally did. Right? That's a story worth telling, right? That's powerful. Right? The, tell the story of of, of those of you who go every month uptown to feed people in our men's shelter who are hungry and homeless in the city of Charlotte, and, and you're going to be sitting around up in the great banquet of heaven, right? That's a story worth telling to people, to tell the story of, of those of you in our congregation who are on fixed income, limited fixed income, and let you, 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 you're so bought into what we're doing here that your generous hearts, right, on fixed income you give a monthly stipend to children in Haiti that we have a ministry with that allows them to go to school 
It allows them to have a meal. allows them to go to church and hear the good news of Jesus. You make that sacrifice. That's a story that we want to tell in heaven, and it's amazing. What stories are people telling about you, brothers and sisters? What stories will be told in heaven? And let me be clear. We don't earn our way into heaven. We, we can't work our way into heaven. We get there because of what Jesus did for us. But when we're on fire for Jesus, we're living our lives that are telling some amazing stories. And there are so many amazing stories among you. And I see this series as a way to celebrate the ways that God is at work in the lives of followers of Jesus. And maybe today you're sitting here and you're thinking, well, well Kyle, I would love to have some stories like that in my life. But I'm in a bad spot. I'm stuck in a rut, I'm coming up against a wall, I'm in a bad place, things are falling apart all around me, and I don't know how to have a good story. My story is terrible. I wouldn't read it. I wouldn't watch it. I don't want people to see it. I'm embarrassed about it. Right? How, what about me? Right? I want that story, but I'm stuck. I'm, I'm stuck in a horrible story. I'm stuck in a terrible story. I, I want to give up on my story. Well, I would say this. I would say if you think about the stories in your lives that you love to hear and watch and, and all that again and again, the most interesting parts of the stories are what? When we go through a hard time and we come out on the other side and we look back and say, wow, look what God has done. It's no fun in, in the moment. It's hard not knowing where we're going in the story. But when we get through that and God gets us through that and we look back and we see what God's done, it's like, wow, that's an interesting part of my story. Glad it's over but it's helped shape me to be who I am. And it's, it's part of the most interesting part of my life. I think sometimes in our lives, brothers and sisters, that many of us give up on our stories way too soon. Many of us give up on our stories too soon. God does not. Many of us give up on our stories too soon. God does not. That's the beauty of our lives being stories there's always a chance for a new word. There's always a chance for a next sentence. There's always a chance for a next chapter. If you're stuck, your story's not done. Your story is not finished. Your story is alive. So hang on and look for Jesus in the midst of that story. It's not too late to start living life to the full in Jesus. It's not too late to start living life to the full in Jesus. That's true for us as individuals. That's true for us as families. That's true for us as a church. That's true for us as a nation. And that gives me hope in America. Because right now, when we look around America, we see some stories that aren't great. When we get on the internet, when we watch the news on television, if you listen to it on the radio, every day there are stories that are tragic, that are horrible, that are embarrassing, that we can't believe continue to repeat themselves. And, and you know what I'm talking about. We know about Dante Wright, a 20-year-old African-American up in Minnesota who was shot and killed by a, a white officer. Right? It, at the same time right, that another officer, former officer, is on trial for killing George Floyd, a black man. And, and many in our nation are asking the question, when are white people going to stop killing black people in America? This is not the story that we want to have. And then right here, locally, right, Charlotte, right, just below us in Rock Hill, South Carolina, recently, right, an ex-NFL football player walks into the home of a retired doctor, shoots the doctor, shoots his wife, shoots their five-year-old grandchild, shoots their nine-year-old grandchild, and shoots the two HVAC technicians outside, kills all of them, 
and then goes home and kills himself with no motive. And we're, we're left asking, what's going on here? Just this past week in Indianapolis, Indiana, a 19-year-old young man goes into his former place of employment, Federal Express, and shoots and kills eight people. Is that the story we want to be as America's story? And just this week, we were reminded that earlier this year, a 13-year-old boy, a 21-year-old man, are in Chicago, and they're out shooting a handgun. Right? shooting the handgun, which they shouldn't have been doing. The police are called. And at the end of that response, the 13-year-old boy is shot and killed by a police officer. And the body cam footage was released for the world to see this week. I have a 13-year-old son. I can't imagine what that family's going through. It's not the story that we want to have as Americans. I say no. I say there's a better story. It's the story of Jesus Christ, that he created you in his image, that you are good, that you have goodness in you, that he loves you, and he died for you on a cross, and he came back to life so that you can be forgiven of everything that you do that's wrong, that you can have guilt taken away and instead have joy and peace, that, that you can live a life to the full now and live forever in the kingdom of God. Jesus is the greatest story. It's a story of hope. It's a story of forgiveness. It's a story that speaks out against racism and oppression and violence. And it's a way of saying we can be a better nation. We can be a better people. We can be a better church. We can be a better family. We can be better people when Jesus is at the center of our story. What America needs, what the world needs is Jesus. The good news, the story of Jesus, that's our role. We're followers of Jesus. When the gospel is told, what will people say about your role in that gospel? How have you advanced the gospel of Jesus? When you hear about these shootings, you hear about these killings, when you're talking to people by the water cooler and in your homes and in your neighborhoods, what are you saying about that? How are we fighting racism? How are we fighting violence? How are we fighting oppression? What are we doing? We have the greatest story of all, and it needs to be told with our words and with our actions. We don't have to keep telling these tragic stories. This can be a new day. This can be a new sentence. This can be a new chapter. This can be a new volume in the story because we have the good news of Jesus Christ. So what? What's the point? What's the big idea? What's the takeaway? We're all stories in the end, right? We're all stories in the end, right? Makers count, right? When it comes down to it, right? We are stories. What we do matters, right? What people are going to say about us when we're gone matters. What people say about us now matters. What we're going to tell to God in heaven matters, right? We are all stories in the end. Make yours count. Make it count, right? If you're stuck in a, in a bad spot, ask God for a new sentence. Ask God for a new chapter. We are all stories in the end. Make yours count. Make it count for Jesus. Share the good news of Jesus in your lives. Receive Jesus as your Savior in your lives. And so this week, what I'd like to ask you to do, one is come back, right? Come back for this series. We're going to talk about what it means to live a story for Jesus, to live a story with Jesus. We're going to spend several weeks on that. I believe in that. I, I wrestle with that. I want that in my life. I want that for you. So keep coming back. But this week, I want you to begin to practice on your storytelling, okay? So what I want you to, to do this week. Ask for stories and tell stories this week. I want you to find one person and ask for their story. Say, hey, Brother, sister, hey, colleague at work, hey, someone in school, hey, neighbor, tell me your story. 
Right? Tell me your story. And then if, if they're open to it, tell them your story. And when you're telling that story, by all means, get Jesus in there to say what Jesus has done for you in your life. Right? We need to become good storytellers. So ask people for their stories. Tell people your stories this week. Keep coming back. We're going to talk about what it looks like to live a, a great story, to live a great life for Jesus. And today, I just I want to thank you. I want to thank all of you who are here today. We, we have been in the story business in this church for 55 years, started in 1966. And we, we've been telling great stories, living great stories for Jesus as a congregation. Right? Eight years ago, we started a new chapter in the story. So we felt God was calling us to reach the South Park community uh, where we had been planted in the same ways that we reached the Sharon community, right? 55 years ago, this was the Sharon community now. It's the South Park community, right? And so for eight years, we've been working to relaunch the congregation, right? And as Pastor Lindsay and Chris said, right, which by the way, Chris did an awesome sermon for me last Sunday. I want to get that out there. That was awesome. But next two Sundays, right, we're going to be welcoming you here, right, in person, right? We, we have worked so hard to get here. Right, to be in this new campus where there are apartments and restaurants and shops and a hotel and the church is right here. And we get a chance to, to reach people for Jesus. And oh, by the way, now we have an online congregation because a, a positive part of COVID is that you're there and you're going to keep being there. We're going to keep reaching out to you and ministering to you. You're part of our story. right? We've been waiting a year, over a year to, to worship in person and now the time is here. And so I just want to say to you who are watching online, you who are in the room, thank you. Thank you for your boldness. Thank you for being obedient. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your patience. My goodness, we are here. We are here, brothers and sisters. And I couldn't be more proud to be your pastor because we have the greatest story to tell. That's the story of Jesus Christ. And that's why we're here. And part of our story is we'll do whatever it takes to reach people for Jesus, even if it means knocking down our whole church building, which we did. So thank you for being a part of the greatest story ever told. We are all stories in the end. Make yours count. It's never too late to start living life to the full in Jesus. Brothers and sisters, what's your story?